Okay, hello, welcome to Adventures Among Ideas. Today I am talking about, or I'm going to try to talk about, Morse Peckham's Theory of Value. And I'm going to try to apply this to the movie Joker, which is a hopefully good example that many people will have seen. So, uh, in another video I talked about Dewey's Theory of Value. And this is very or pretty different, not totally different, but it's different from what I'm going to talk about today. So Morse Peckham doesn't so much deal with value, uh, value in terms of what we should do, what our priorities should be. He calls this values um, compared to value. So value and values. Values is what Dewey talks a lot about, about means and ends and choosing ends and means and so on, and what kinds of things we should do, should not do. Um, and how we make those decisions. Uh, Peckham is more concerned with value, which is what other philosophers around, not philosophers, but other uh, psychologists, uh, psychologists, not other psychologists, since Peckham wasn't a psychologist, but psychologists around that time in the uh, second half of the 20th century were uh, would call self-esteem or some related term like that, self-respect, maybe. So when he talks about value, he's kind of, uh, this is kind of uh, what other people will call self-esteem. I don't know if it exactly is the same, but um, it's pretty close. In another video, I'm hoping to talk about Ernest Becker's um, theory of self-esteem, which is kind of similar to what Peckham is talking about. Anyway, so talking about value. So this type of value is whether about whether we feel ourselves to be important. And this is something not dealt with a lot by philosophy for some reason. Uh, it was dealt with, I think, a little bit by Hegel. You can see this in the master-slave dialectic in uh, Phenomenology of Spirit and maybe in some other people, but it's not uh, in some other philosophers, but I haven't noticed it being a big part of philosophy. Um, of course, more important to psychology. Maybe that's why philosophers don't talk about it that much. Um, so, but it's uh, worth worth talking about. Anyway, so uh, value, um, Peckham calls this also, or Peckham call. Uh, so there's different words Peckham uses to talk about this, and I want to go through some of them. So the ascription of value, he calls agape or agape system. So agape is a, a Greek word for one of the Greek words for love. And Peckham uses this to talk about the ascription of value, the systems, the cultural systems that we have for ascribing value to each other are agape systems. And this is a kind of uh, value semiosis. So Peckham uh, was talking about this in the midst of his grand theory of behavioral semiotics especially in his um, major work, Explanation and Power, his major theoretical work. And so this is where um, you get value coming in. And it's easier to understand if you understand Peckham's broader semiotic program and his theory of meaning. And his theory of value is a part of this theory of meaning. Meaning as response and value. Making valuations is one type of response we have to ourselves, to other people, to the things in our environment. So agape is the uh, the social the social um, system of ascribing value, uh, value to each other. Um, 
Yeah, and there's he talks about public and private agape semiosis. So we ascribe value to others. There's public um, agape semiosis, and we ascribe value to ourselves privately in our thoughts. And this is private agape semiosis. Now, value. Let's try to say a little bit more about more con uh, something more concrete about what is value. Value seems to uh, subsume, as far as I can tell, uh, at least two more specific concepts or more concrete concepts. And it may be boiled down to just one. So value may just be equivalent to one more specific concept. Um, so it may relate to social role. I think we sometimes value people, uh, evaluate people simply because they fill a certain social role and regardless of what else they actually do. So maybe just uh, filling a certain role is uh, can be a sign of value, can be a reason why we evaluate someone. So if someone is the president, you might say, and is um, you can think of many uh, exceptions to this, but if someone is the president, for example, of a country, we assign a certain value to them, even if we think they're not doing a good job necessarily. Or if uh, someone is your child, even if they're deficient in various ways, you may still value them because they're your child. They fill a certain role, and by filling that role, they are uh, we give them a certain value. Um, but maybe the more important thing is competence. And this is where Peckham really focuses, is value as competence. When we say we value someone, uh, if you actually drill down into what that actually means, it turns out that by and large, we're talking about competence. We think they're competent at certain things. So just to give an example that Peckham gives, if we say someone is a good person, well, what does that actually mean when you ask, well, why is this person a good person? Well, it turns out, uh, basically, it's about competence. We think they're maybe a good parent, a good employee, a good friend, a good provider for their family, a good member of the community, um, a good athlete or you know a kind person kindness being a kind of competence in how you interact with other people um, and so on and so on so it when we talk about someone being good or bad it seems that we're just talking about competence and maybe there's something else there like i said social role but i'm not totally sure about that it's hard to think of things that are about value that are not also about competence when we're talking about the value of a person uh, so what is valuing? Uh, Peckham says this is a judgment or determination that a behavior or the consequence or deposit of a behavior, so basically a behavior or the result of a behavior, is a competent fulfillment or enactment of a cultural instruction or set of cultural instructions. Peckham sees culture basically as a set of instructions. Is what culture is uh, when we are uh, acting socially, we're following cultural instructions. Culture is a set of instructions maintained through social interaction. Social interactions are the um, 
the flip side of culture. When we follow when we follow cultural instructions, we create society. Basically, is a simple way to look at it. So when we make a judgment of value about someone about a behavior, we're uh, judging whether it is a competent you know, following of cultural instructions. Basically, whether it's socially appropriate. Uh, so Peckham goes on to say why we ascribe value. So why do we ascribe value to uh, behaviors, to people? Well, human societies depend on culture to exist. And the continuation of uh, so the continuation of that existence, of the existence of cultures or the existence of human societies depends on our valuing the consequences of that culture, the culture that comes out of those societies. So again, humans, uh, human societies depend on culture and the continuation of societies depend on valuing the culture. Uh, so we depend on culture because there's various um, features of the human organism, the human brain that um, lead us to depend so much on culture, right? We're less determined by our biology, by our genetics, although of course we're still to some extent determined by those, but a lot of our everyday behaviors are determined more by culture, by learning. Uh, Peckham randomness, the randomness of the brain is a big theme for Peckham and we need culture to guide the human brain in a certain direction because otherwise we'll um, be our be behavior will be too chaotic determined more by the randomness of the brain yeah so we need culture to guide our behavior so that we can live together and therefore we uh, judge each other in our competency at being guided by culture so when we va uh, value someone as good we see them as being appropriately guided by their culture and when we think they are bad we think they are not appropriately guided by cultural instructions say they're being asocial or antisocial or something like that um so and there's a couple of ways to control or guide or manage behavior whichever way you want to think about it uh so basically um verbal and nonverbal. there's verbal and nonverbal um uh, ways to guide behavior and then there's uh, some different uh, different ways within those two broader categories. So let me just mention nonverbal and verbal. Focusing more, well, mention both of them as we go along. So nonverbal are things like force or sanctions. These would be like uh, if some we think someone is bad if we're if we evaluate what they do in a as negative as a bad thing we apply force or sanctions to them and um, the opposite of that the flip side of that is reward if someone does some what we think is good we reward them if we uh, if they do something that we think is valuable we reward them uh, and verbal is kind of the same but you uh, ver uh, verbal behavior is not force per se but it's rhetoric rhetoric uh, Peckham talks about the rhetoric of threat or denigration. So again, if someone does something bad, we threaten them with force, with nonverbal force. Uh, we denigrate them. So we say, you're bad, you're worthless. 
no one should love you. No one should pay attention to you. And the flip side of that is flattery or seduction. So the rhetoric of flattery and seduction. So we say, you're worthy, you're great. So uh, to go back to the nonverbal quickly, nonverbal force. Uh, so there's force that could be things like deprivation of freedom or resources, torture, execution, right? at the limit, execution is um, the most you can do to someone. Or at least the uh, kind of the last step in the ascending, ascending order of severity of um, application of force. Um, and then reward. Of course, you can reward someone. You can give them more resources, more freedoms. You can give them signs of value like medals and uh, fancy titles and things like that. And then rhetoric, uh, verbal... Um, um, verbal management of behavior. So again, threat, denigration, flattery. So denigration, yeah, things like you're worthless, meaning basically that you're incompetent. You're incompetent in your behavior. Uh, flattery. So actually, Peckham considers denigration to be the primary rhetoric of behavioral control, and he considers force to be the primary nonverbal way of behavioral control. Like these are the, our primary tools. And then the, the flip sides of those, like flattery and reward, are kind of secondary. They're the negation of the primary method of control. So it's kind of a, um, I don't know, tragic or <laughs> unsettling view of how society works. Um, so flattery or seduction is the negation of denigration, which denigration is the, the primary verbal means of behavioral control. So you're worthy, you're good, basically means you're competent. Um, love, I would say, is the ultimate flattery in our culture. It's a complicated concept. I'm not going to try to break it down. I think it's actually a mix of uh, um, different things, which are not all about value. Um, but yeah, the basic, uh, basically, it's the, I would say, it's the ultimate uh Rhetorical flattery in our culture is to apply the word love to someone. I love you, or I love what you did, or something like that. All right, anyway, the reason that these rhetorics, uh, that the rhetorics of denigration and flattery work, is because agape is unstable. The system of um, applying value and people's valuations of themselves, all of that is unstable. It's quite uh, difficult for us to know whether we're competent or incompetent social actors. You know, how do you know whether what you did was actually right or not, whether it was appropriate or not? Um, and that's always kind of changing. We're constantly looking to others to help us stabilize our value. Um, we're always put in different sit complicated situations where it's not clear what we're supposed to do. Um, so we rely a lot on others telling us, you know, that was a good thing to do. You shouldn't have done that. And this is why, uh, by the way, I think social media is so powerful. So when our posts get liked, uh, when our tweets get, uh, tweets get retweeted, um, these are ascriptions of value. These are ascriptions to us of competence. They make us feel competent, right? I am smart, I'm intelligent, I'm beautiful, whatever the case is, um, I'm talented. So on the other hand, if... Uh, 
And if our posts get bad comments or get ignored even, these are judgments of incompetence. Like you're not worth paying attention to. You should not have done it like this. This was a stupid thing to do. Why do you look like this? Um, so it's withholding value from us. It's taking away value. It's, um, right, Judge, uh, judging that we're incompetent as people. And so, yeah, social media can be very powerful in a positive way and negative way, in a good way and a bad way. Uh, pets also, it's worth mentioning, are an important source of value for many of people. Uh, for many people, pets have been uh, selected basically to ascribe value to us, to flatter us. So pets are flattering generally, especially dogs. Uh, and there's probably some important difference between cat people and dog people uh, in terms of what kinds of things stabilize their sense of value. Um, I don't know a whole lot about uh, human pet relations uh, from a, you know, a theoretical or psychological standpoint. So I'm not going to try to go into detail, but it's interesting to think about, you know, what do pets do for us? Um, clearly they are um, ascribing value, helping us to ascribe value to ourselves, right? When our pets are happy to see, are always kind of happy to see us, that is a big um, value boost. Uh, another important um, source of value are things like clubs and churches. And kind of like pets, it's something that is a constant source of value. So you're ascribed value simply by belonging to a particular club or a particular church, um, generally speaking. And in clubs and churches, you're instructed in how to ascribe value to yourself and to others. It's kind of a, maybe a rehearsal for other types of situation and a, um, helps you figure out how to ascribe value in a non, um, well, a situation where there's not as much at stake, where your economic livelihood, for example, is not at stake, your survival is not at stake. Uh, it's a safer environment. Yeah, so the verbal behavior in a, of a, Peckham points out that the verbal behavior in a club or a church is an explanatory regress, and this is one of Peckham's big concepts, is explanatory regresses that stabilize the meaning of something, of something that happens, of a sentence, of a word, is uh, explanatory regress, where more general statements subsume more concrete uh, statements. Anyway, uh, the institution is explained, institutions like clubs or churches are explained in such a way that stabilizes value. So, for example, um, a church or a club might be said to be better than other clubs or churches in some respect, or to be uniquely good at whatever they're doing, right? If you're in some kind of sports club, um, you want to be seen as maybe better than other sports clubs, or at least have your own kind of unique uh, qualities that make you different and in some respect better uh, than other clubs. So you explain yourself in a certain way. You know, your club maybe has a certain history or your church has a certain uh, history and maybe certain important people belong to it at one time or another. And these are ways of stabilizing the value of 
the institution or the people rather the people um, in the uh, who are part of the institution the club or the church um, another important aspect which uh, I'm forgetting now if Peckham specifically talks about oh he does talk about this yeah um, so people tend to move toward how other people evaluate them they tend to not um, 100% of the time but people tend to move in the direction of their social valuation. So you, if you denigrate someone, if you constantly um, supply them with you know, a negative sense of value, you know, showing that they're incompetent all the time, they will tend to become more and more incompetent. This is not always true. Some people will negate that. So negation is an important part of human behavior that should not be overlooked so sometimes if someone is constantly denigrating us we'll negate that and say oh yeah well i'm going to show you and then you, you that's one important driver of human behavior as well but uh people who for over a long period period of time are um kind of surrounded or bombarded with denigration will tend to internalize that we might say it becomes just a part of their behavior they become incompetent um, likewise, if you flatter someone, they will tend to flatter themselves. You might say they get a big head. Um, that can, flattery can increase someone's competency. This is um, one, one uh, thing that psychologists have tried to study where um, uh, flattering someone will help them improve because it makes them feel good. Like even if they did something imperfectly, you flatter them and that keeps them interested in whatever they're trying to improve themselves on, whatever whatever they're trying to learn. Um, so it can be better to flatter someone who's trying to learn something than to denigrate them because then they won't want to keep learning. Um, on the other hand, some people will rebel against flattery and negate the flattery. And so Peckham uh, notes that an important part of being, an, being a manager is knowing how you're uh, employees respond to flattery and uh, denigration. So some employees you need to flatter a, a lot. Some employee, employees you need to denigrate more because um, there's personality differences. So anyways, I'm going to talk a little bit about Joker. Probably been talking too long already, but um, yeah. So uh, Joker, uh, Peckham also talks about um, valuing as a whirlwind. We live in a chaotic whirlwind of valuing, he says. A whirlwind that shapes and distorts all of us, that damages most of us, and that destroys some of us. And some of the most interest, interesting uh, cultural products, I think, like uh, books and movies and uh, yeah, TV shows probably, are things that focus... Uh, uh, are things that focus or draw us into this whirlwind of valuing as spectators. So we're able to kind of take it in from a more distanced position. We're not involved in it personally. Um, where, whereas in our lives, we're in the middle all the time, basically, of this whirlwind of valuing that is constantly um, coming at us from all sides in good ways and bad ways and uh, in a way that can be totally confusing. And I think a lot of uh, interesting books and uh, movies and things like that, artworks, are about this. 
Um, and especially about the negative aspects of it, especially about the effects of denigration. And one early, one other one that I like that I'll mention, just quickly mention, is Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man. This is a, a book that's largely about value semiosis, about agape and its effects. And um, But a more recent one that people will know better is um, Joker, a recent movie. Uh, it's from 2019 about the you know the bat the origin of the Batman villain. So this is about uh, Joker is about Arthur Fleck who becomes Joker, and Arthur Fleck um, is constantly you know when you watch the movie he's just constantly being denigrated in verbal and nonverbal ways. Um, he's constantly being told that he's worthless or showed that he's worthless, and. There are some interesting moments where he rebels against that or negates those denigrations. But you see him, for example, getting harassed and beaten up by kids. Again, this is a kind of nonverbal denigration and applications of force. Um, so you see him getting reprimanded by his boss. Um, he's told that people think he's weird, that he's a freak. Again, this is a verbal, verbal denigration. Yeah, the mother on the bus, you know, he's trying to relate to this kid on the bus. One time the mother tells him to stop bothering her son. Um, you see him do all kinds of incompetent things throughout the movie. One of the biggest is um, he's at the children's hospital and he drops a gun onto the floor. Uh, because of that, his boss fires him. So that's an economic sanction, right? So uh, a negative valuation of his competence. Applying a sanction, that's one of the major sanctions, is economic deprivation, um, being fired from your job. Yeah, you see him being insulted various times, even his mother <laughs> at one point. You know, he's trying to be a comedian, and his mother says, don't you have to be funny to be a comedian? Uh, so he's attacked also on the subway again, so attacked by kids at the beginning. Later on, he's attacked by um, uh, young men. Uh, but grown men on the subway. Uh, he mentions again this so verbal and nonverbal denigration on the subway. Uh, so he mentions uh, at one point that he, he has a lot. All he has are negative thoughts. You know, all I do you have any? He's asked something like, "Do you have any negative thoughts?" He's like, "All I have are negative thoughts." So there's a private, right? Private denigration. So you've got the public side and the private side. Public. Um, agape semiosis, private agape semiosis. So he's having all these negative thoughts. He thinks about killing himself. Again, that's another kind of private agape semiosis, a private denigration. Um, he tries to kill himself at one point, I think, by getting into the refrigerator. And so that would be the ultimate, um, the ultimate judgment of personal incompetence, I guess. Or personal worthlessness and it gets made fun of on the Murray Franklin show all kinds of other things happen that in our culture are signs of uh, bad value of denigration like finding out that your mother is delusional you know, her, her, his mother is um, very unstable he find he thinks for a minute that Thomas Wayne is, is his father he finds out that he doesn't really have a father that he was um, abandoned 
that, uh, and then adopted and then abused and all of these things are negatives, right? Negative th uh, signs of value in our culture. Um, but he also hallucinates or imagines his own signs of value. So while he's being bombarded by all these negative signs of value, uh, at least some of the time he hallucinates or imagines his own signs of value. So there's a scene where he imagines being flattered by the, the late night comedian Murray Franklin. He imagines he's watching in the audience and Franklin uh, singles him out and kind of uh, basically provides value to him. Says, I wish I had a son like you or something like that. Um, so that's obviously, you know, when someone says that, it's obviously uh, an obvious kind of flattery or ascription of value to you. Uh, he has the whole... Um, delusion or hallucination of the of having a girlfriend uh, a woman who lives in the same building as him which of course would be another um, ap um description of value having a girlfriend if you're a guy yeah there's an interesting um the interesting part about killing the men who attack him on the subway this is you know here we get into the whirlwind of value even more i think um, this is something, an act that is reinforced by the lower classes. It's, you know, a sign of the reaction of the lower classes is a sign of value, right? They think it was a good thing. And um, so a kind of flattery that he gets from, even though people don't know that he's the one who did it at, at first, um, the way that the lower classes react is a kind of flattery to him. Um, but then the upper classes, of course, have the opposite reaction. So they are sort of denigrating him because of this, or denigrating the act, showing that it was an uh, incompetent, socially incompetent act. So you have these two different conflicting messages coming about his um, execution of the men on the subway. Um, yeah, so the, the lower classes, the way the lower cl classes in Gotham um relate to him is uh or you know how they imagine him since they don't know it's him but what they imagine to have happened is um a big verbal and nonverbal verbal valuation so people praise him or praise his actions and people copy him right they start dressing like him they start dressing like clowns and yeah so there's all these um um yeah, all these, uh, this whirlwind of positive and negative valuation coming at him throughout the whole movie, and you can kind of understand why people would be uh, unstable in those kind of circumstances. And it gives you a little bit of a insight into how how much of our life is determined by the valuations that come at us from other people, and then the valuations that we're making of ourselves all the time. Um, I'll hopefully uh, hopefully talk about this maybe next week with um, Ernest Becker, who talks about the I think the inner newsreel we have of basically value valuation of ourselves. He talks about it using the concept of self-esteem, but we're constantly playing over in our heads what's good about us, what's bad about us, what we did good, what we did that's bad, and yeah. So that's uh, about valuation. And for today, about uh, Peckham's theory of valuation, which I'm trying to write about. And so I'll talk about some other theories of value in the coming weeks, probably. 
but yeah, that's all for today. That's where I'll end it for today. So thank you for listening and have a good day.